This is Victoria. I am otherwise engaged or possibly just ignoring your call. Leave a message. It's me. I'm halfway across Utah right now, and after yesterday's adventures, I think things are better. In the light of the desert sun, it's hard to believe any of that stuff even happened. Despite the dreams I had in the little motel I stayed at in Cedar City last night, maddening visions of your paintings come to life. Well, never mind about that. No sign of the purple muscle car or the two men in black. That's what I've been calling them in my head. (laughs) But no. I don't expect I will see them again, as I'm not 100% sure I didn't imagine all of that. But there's still this other letter from Michael, still sitting where I left it on the seat next to me. And no, I haven't opened it yet. How can I worry about any of that when there's nothing but excruciatingly beautiful red buttes and mesas as far as the eye can see as I start this long uphill trek toward Colorado and the Rockies? Been a long time since I've been out this way. Wish you could see it, Victoria. It really is something else. Whatever darkness Michael is facing, I don't think it exists out here. This is sacred country. from Arkham, written and performed by S. Lee Benedict. The voice of Victoria is McKenna Beeger. I've stopped at a viewing area along the road, Vic, a canyon stretching off into the desert called Black Dragon Canyon along I-70. That's a name I'm sure you can appreciate, dragons being something you used to love, if I recall. It's all you would draw when you were much younger than you are now. No unicorns for you, Miss Victoria. Nothing but dragons hung all over my refrigerator door, nary an uncovered surface to be found. In better times. I've got Michael's most recent letter in my hand. As I stand here staring out at the expanse of desert that seems to stretch into the infinite, I've been fiddling with the edges of the flap, too hesitant to tear it all the way open. I can't define or clarify this fear that keeps me from reading this latest mysterious missive. Maybe I think I'll find inside more warnings from Michael to quit my search for him. And if I don't read this, if I ignore this, and any future letters I'm almost convinced will surely be delivered through whatever uncanny means, then I'll have the courage to continue this journey. A journey that not only Michael would have me abandon, but also the voice that speaks to me from the back of my mind. I could sure use your advice right now, kid. I am resolved. No matter what this letter says, no matter how many more times Michael writes me and tells me to stay away or go back, I will continue on this path. I will find him. Here goes nothing. Father. Father? Since when has Michael ever called me father? I mean, I know you've called me that from time to time when you're trying to be cute, but... (sighs) Father, it's clear you don't understand the danger that awaits you should you continue this course of action. It's bigger than all of us. 
Ancient forces out of space and time, transcending both space and time, are poised to assail this world and bring about ruin and desolation on an unimaginable scale. Oh God, Victoria, it's as I feared. I admit there's something strange about all this, but this, Michael's not making sense. He's losing his grip on reality. <sighs> I guess I know the feeling. <clears throat> I'll read the rest. He says, if I can't sway you with these letters, maybe someone else can. Follow the old man. He should be with you now. For the sake of all of us, listen to him and turn back. That's all he wrote. What on earth? Victoria, I... I... Huh. There's a man, standing at the far end of the viewing area next to an old beat-up antique of a truck. He's older, maybe late 60s or 70s, long white hair. Native American, I think. He's looking at me. Looking right at me. Victoria... What? Victoria, you're not going to believe this. I'm not sure I really believe it myself. I certainly don't understand it. I'm in the desert. Again. The man at the viewing area, he beckoned to me, clearly wanting me to follow him. He seemed harmless enough. At least I didn't get the feeling he meant me any harm. Anyway, he didn't elicit that tingling down my spine from before. Part of me wanted to get back in my car and go, but a bigger part of me felt an urge to follow. I wondered if this was the person Michael was talking about in his letter, but how could that be? You know? Just added to the list of impossible things that have happened to me on this trip, I guess. Anyway, the man led me away from the road. Soon we reached a marked path with a sign identifying it as the Black Dragon Trail. There were some other hikers along the way, so I didn't feel like we were headed to no man's land. The trail twisted through the canyon, snaking its way around ancient and winding rock formations. I followed at a distance. The man never turned to see if I was still behind him. I tried calling out to him, asked him who he was and what he wanted from me, but he wouldn't reply to my queries. Eventually, I became aware we'd left the main path. The red sandstone rose up on either side of us. I don't know how long we continued on this way, but the path finally opened up into an area with high rock walls all around forming an almost perfectly circular space, the very top open to the sky. In fact, the space's measurements seemed so exact and the walls so smooth I almost can't believe it was not man-made. That's where we are now, this mysterious stranger and me. Someone has arranged a ring of painted stones and a fire burns at its center. Fire was here when we both arrived, so I assume the man made it before. I thought maybe it was his campsite, but I don't see any camping equipment to speak of. He still hasn't said a word to me. He's just sitting by the fire, eyes closed like he's praying. I get the feeling he wants me to do the same. What the devil is going on? What am I doing here? Okay. Victoria, I'm going to see how this all plays out. Maybe if this man knows something about what Michael is doing, he can answer some of my questions. But where do I even start? I'll call you back as soon as I can. Victoria, hi. I am alive and well and have resumed my trek eastward toward the Rockies. 
The man in the desert didn't murder me, as I'm sure you've gathered. What he did do, I find I'm at a loss to describe. But I'll endeavor to do my best. I sat down across from him, the fire between us. As I sat there, the man began to chant or sing some kind of tribal prayer, I think, in some indigenous language. Navajo, maybe? I waited for him to finish, but he just kept going. I sat there, staring into the fire. Dancing shapes began to form in the flames. I was mesmerized. Time passed without seeming to, but it also seemed as if an eternity had elapsed since I'd sat down by the fire. At one point, I looked up and saw myriad stars overhead, amazed that at some point night had fallen without me even noticing. Eventually, the man stopped his chant and finally began to speak to me directly in a language I could understand. And as he did, the shapes in the fire seemed to act out the story he recited. The old man told me his people's ancestors had long passed down stories of beings from beyond, warring races of powerful entities who ruled the earth before man ever appeared. Great old ones, he called them and elder gods. He told me some of their ancient names, strange-sounding names consisting of long strings of consonants, but I don't think I remember them. Or maybe I do and just can't bring myself to utter them now, because doing so would make them real, give them life. Anyway, after eons of conflict, some of these beings returned to their dwellings in space or whatever dimensions from which they'd originated, but some of them went into the sea and dwell there still, sleeping waiting for the stars to align and herald the return. And then the old man said that the near entirety of mankind's strife comes from these beings, from a malevolent psychic energy that emanates from them, and that irrefutable knowledge of their existence will drive a man insane. I'm not really sure what he meant by that, but he didn't give me a chance to ask as he continued his story. He went on to say that there are humans who worship these creatures, whose desire it is to hasten their return, He said these cultists can be found at all levels of our society, all over the world, secret societies that operate in the shadows who will stop at nothing to bring about their ultimate goal. Of course, this was all reminiscent of the things Michael wrote in his letters, all those things I'd cast off as sheer madness initially. But this old man's earnestness was so intense, but completely lacking any air of paranoid delusion like what you might find walking the streets of Los Angeles on any given day. I can't say that I outright believed what he was telling me, but I didn't disbelieve it either. After all, I've seen what I've seen, and I have a feeling I may see more before all this is finished. Finally, the man stopped talking and we sat there in silence for quite some time before I even realized it. He looked like he was waiting for me to ask him something. I had so many questions, but found I really couldn't formulate most of them into words. So I just focused on really the only thing I cared about in all this, how he knows Michael and how Michael is involved in all this insanity. The old man stared at me then, stared right into my soul with these mysterious eyes that glistened in the firelight. And he said, I don't know who you're talking about. He said the wind told him to bring me there and tell me these things. I was dumbfounded. I sat there, staring into the fire, not comprehending any of it. The next thing I knew, the old man was gone. I hadn't even noticed him leave. The fire had died down, and the rising sun was just beginning to lighten the sky overhead. I got up and went back to my car. It wasn't hard to find my way back out of the canyon. I... (sighs) 
This is also surreal, Victoria. If that was the man Michael spoke of in his letter, I'm not sure why he thought his myths would deter me from my course. Do you think I'm foolish? Would you counsel me to leave off as well? To abandon Michael to keep myself from whatever danger awaits me in Arkham? Or on the road there, as the case may be? Well, you're not here. And for some reason won't deign to call me back, so I guess I only have my own counsel to keep. There's something up ahead, some kind of wreck, or... I wonder if I should call the... Victoria, it's the old man's truck. The red pickup from before. It's run off the roadway. I'd better pull over and make sure he's okay. I'm miles down the road now. I've been debating whether I should call you and tell you what happened. I've just crossed over into Colorado and I'll be in the foothills soon. The old man's pickup was a ways off the road. There were skid marks as if he'd swerved back and forth several times before finally veering off the interstate and down the embankment. I pulled over and ran to the truck, but it was unoccupied. The windshield was cracked and there was blood on the dash. At first I was relieved thinking he'd been picked up and taken to a hospital somewhere, but a sick feeling in my gut wouldn't let me believe it. And that's when I noticed the footprints, leading off into the desert. I couldn't understand why he would leave the roadway unless... Unless he was trying to get away from someone. And with that dreadful realization, I noticed the trail. Not footprints, a trail. Like something or someone had been dragged away from the wreck through the desert brush, which I noticed had been speckled with blood here and there. And that's when the tingling in my back returned with a vengeance. It had now morphed into a full-blown pain that seemed to pulsate with a dull heat. I guess I should have called the police right then, but I didn't. I didn't. Not that it would have mattered, but I guess I'll have to live with that decision. Instead, I followed the trail away from the road, followed it for the better part of a mile, I think, until I spotted an old dilapidated house in the distance, little more than a shack, really. The marks in the dirt led directly to its door, hanging open, almost off its hinges. Just like the other night behind the motel in Barstow, my mind screamed for me to go back, but some unseen force urged me onward. I managed to stop myself at the door, straining my ears to hear any perceivable sound coming from within. But I didn't hear anything at all. Just the sound of the desert breeze, insects, and animals all around. Nothing out of the ordinary. Nevertheless, I felt a strong, undeniable sense of... of foreboding, reaching out from the darkness of the shack. I took one trepidatious step inside and waited for my eyes to adjust. Thankfully, there was some light seeping in through the uneven slats that made up the ruined walls, so it didn't take long. I'm not sure what purpose this structure served when it was still in a condition to do so, but there was refuse strewn all around. A useless mattress lay in one corner, some graffiti spray-painted on the walls, maybe by teens who had come there to smoke or drink, or maybe just stave off boredom, I don't know. The first sound that registered was the flies. A moment later, I saw him. The old man slumped in a chair in the middle of the room. Blood stained the front of his shirt. His long hair, matted with blood as well, partly concealed his face, which was cast downward, his chin resting on his chest. I took another step, bent down so I could get a closer look. Not sure why. I didn't need to. I already knew he was dead. Had been dead for some time. Which didn't make much sense, because it hadn't been long since I'd seen him. And the flies... Well, I've seen enough CSI episodes to know it takes a day for fly larvae to hatch. Had I had another time lapse again? Or was this something else? Anyway, 
His eyes were gone. Those eyes which had seemed to peer into my very soul. And that's when I felt it. The presence in the corner of the shack, staring out at me from the near-complete darkness there. Felt it before I heard its breathing. And I can't say why, but I knew it wasn't anything human. I didn't look in its direction, didn't want to confirm or let it know that I knew it was there. I was frozen in place, not like before with the purple muscle car when I felt like something was keeping me from moving. No, this time it was my own fear keeping me there. I felt sure that if I moved or tried to leave, it would be on me in an instant. It would do to me what it had done to... I never even got his name, the old man. And I liked my eyes right where they were. I think I felt it move closer to me then. Still, I made no effort to flee. I forced myself to stare straight ahead, straight at the old man's vacant eye sockets. If I wasn't so petrified, I would have probably been emptying my stomach contents just then, but I somehow managed to keep myself from retching. The thing was right next to me. Over the smell of the corpse and the garbage in the room, I thought I could smell something else. A stronger, more rancid stench. I felt its hot breath on my face. I had to stifle a gagging cough. I just kept thinking that if I didn't acknowledge it, it would leave me be. But a large part of me wanted to look, needed to see what had done such dreadful things to this poor, poor man. But then I realized if I didn't look in its direction, I would be helpless when it finally decided to attack me. It would tear me to shreds without so much as a struggle. And I couldn't let that happen. I couldn't meet my end in this sad place, not when Michael needed me most. Better if I knew what I was up against. Better if I looked. It let out the slightest of sighs. Like that. And with that, I couldn't stand it a moment more. I turned quickly, and as I did so, I tried to back away, to put a bit of distance between me and it before it lunged at me. But I lost my footing and fell back, landing flat on my backside on the dirt-covered concrete floor. I yelled out, ready to do my best to fend off my attacker. But there was nothing there. Nothing at all. I sat there for several minutes, I think, my eyes darting all over the room, searching for my tormentor. But I saw nothing. And then I looked once again at the old man's still body. Except for the blood and his missing eyes, he seemed serene. Nothing really to suggest he had struggled or even suffered. I realized then it seemed as if he'd volunteered to have this done to him. In the end, his arms hung limply at his sides. I saw something clutched in his hand, a piece of paper or so I thought at first. But when I looked closer, I realized it was an envelope. And I knew it was meant for me. Without even thinking about it, I took it and left. And just before I stepped over the threshold and out into the desert once more, I thought I heard a quiet, sinister laugh from the darkness. So I ran. And I didn't stop. And I won't stop. Victoria. (sighs) What you must think of me. All of these things I've been telling you, you're probably much more worried about me at this point than you might have been about Michael. Trust me, kid. I'm worried about me, too. I'm stopped at a gas station right now, but I'll be in Grand Junction soon and I'll stop there for the night. Then, over the Rockies to Denver and into Nebraska, Iowa, and so on. It occurred to me a moment ago that I might not make it. Through no fault of my own, I may not even get to Arkham, to Michael. Who knows when something may come for me like it did for that old man back there. But I've got to try. Oh, right. There is the matter of this new letter I took from the old man's very dead hand. I barely even glanced at it for quite a long time after I fled the shack. 
I just kept it clutched in my own hand for miles, all crumpled up in my fist as I gripped the steering wheel even when I was leaving the last message to you. I finally put it on the passenger seat when I stopped at the gas station a few moments ago and it's still there, face up, the impossibility of it taunting me. It's got the old man's blood on it. The postmark looks the same as the others, confirming its place of origin, and its address to me is expected, no street address or anything. It just has my name and then Utah, USA. But there's something else different, something quite unexpected. This is not Michael's handwriting. <laughs>